Episode 244 of the Me, 244. Yeah, I don't even know how that you, even happened. wake up every day and have a, a bowl of alphabet soup? <laughs> Something <know>. like that. <laughs> 244. With my friend over here, Tony Dennison, actor, I'm going to say actor extraordinaire. Um, first, I, I want to thank our mutual friend, Randy Shanofsky, who I had several months ago on the podcast, who we're talking about a really stand up great guy. I never met him in person, but we speak very often online. Um, I met him through, as a matter of fact, I posted it on the Facebook the Facebook group that I was recording with you tonight. And Danny Boy sends his regards, Danny Boy O'Connor. Oh, wow. You know, Danny? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I met Randy through Danny. Oh. That's, with the, that's... Yeah. With the whole Outsider's House Museum thing. And Randy's that's whole right. story. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about Randy's connection to Danny. Oh, it's it's the most ridiculous. Like, he told his whole story. It's It's ridiculous. But, yeah, I met Randy through Danny Boy, through this urban exploration thing that we do see the Delta Bravo. It's Danny boy. It's uh, D- oh, yeah. D- Delta Bravo urban exploration team. And Randy does it too. Like, like on the back lots and Warner brothers, like film locations then and now stuff like that. So that's how it all started. This stuff is great. Yeah. It's always on his Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah. So thank you, Randy, for putting me in touch with you and thank you for your time. Right back to in touch with you. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just going to rattle off a few things, not really in particular order. It doesn't matter if you were on one episode or 108 episodes. I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of stuff. And it's not everything because I'd be here for six months if okay. I rattled off every single thing. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I must say, criminally, I think it's a criminally, criminally underrated show that they should bring back somehow. But Ray Luca from Crime Story. Yeah, that was. It's, uh... it's such a good show. I can talk about that show. It's so good on so many levels from the score to the cast. to It's just the, the acting. It's, it's such an incredible show. Um, Rest in peace, Dennis Farina, John Polito. Yeah. Like, John Polito and John, and John Santucci. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I can't, I can't speak. Paul Butler. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, so crime story. And Steve um, Ryan too. I'm sorry. I got to mention Steve Ryan. He played Nate Grossman. Yeah. It's a lot, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, and then the creator, one of the, one of the creators of the show, along with Michael, uh, Chuck Adamson, who was Dennis Farina's, uh, Actually, he was Dennis Farina's captain or superior when they were on the MCU team for real when Dennis right. was a cop. You know, I recently found that out that I didn't know that Dennis Farina was a legitimate cop and was retired and everything. And then I recently well, found he, that he out. He wasn't really, you know, what the retirement thing, you know, Dennis took a real took a real shot. I mean, you know, he when the crime story came along, because he had done like, you know, a couple of showed up on uh, Thief. You know, he had a small little part in Thief. 
And then he had a little larger part on uh, something with Chuck Norris. And, you know, and he was like, you know, he was still a cop and he was waiting to make that, you know, that, that turn, that turnover. And uh, when crime story came along, he had to like retire, you know, before his time was up. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know much of his pension he lost from it, but he had to retire before his pension, before his pension time was up. Yeah. But, you know, but Dennis was kind of the one, you know, when he, when I found that he got sick or he was sick and died, I mean, one of this guy, Spike, uh, who was a stunt guy who played, played golf with Dennis a lot. And uh, he comes up to me one day on the set because he was the, the stunt coordinator on Closer and Major Crimes. And he goes, did you hear that, you know, that, that Dennis died? He says, you know, he's, I guess you heard that Dennis died. And I go, what are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't even know he was sick. What are we? And, you know, he had this thing. He had had cancer and he beat it. And then he was taking some kind of medicine or medication. And then he told Cahill, his his woman, who they, they were together, you know, from 30 some odd years, yeah. 40 years, I think, maybe. And uh, he um, he lit, smoked a cigar. He was smoking a cigar and he wasn't supposed to. And he smoked a cigar. And then he said to her, you know, I'm having trouble breathing and took him. To, this is when he was at his, his home in uh, Arizona, I think Scottsdale. And um, and they took him to the hospital and on the way to the hospital. He, I mean, he was dead when he got there. Wow. You know, he had a blood clot, you know, a little time. I mean, when you think about how big a blood clot is, and this is this is like a tough guy, like a real man's man kind of guy. Yeah. And, yeah. Didn't know, he do like two know. or three tours in Vietnam? He was in Vietnam. Yeah. He was like, you know. And he used to tease me all the time because, you know, his father was Sicilian, but his mother was was from Florence. And he'd say, you know, you are what your mother is. My mother's from Florence. He goes, you, your mother and father, both from Sicily, you know. Yeah. And uh, my but in, in honor to Dennis, my email, which I gave you, Tradenoi, yeah. you know, which is just between us. That means uh-huh. just between us and in, 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 in Italian, you know. We really, but it's Sicilian guys use it all the time, especially right. mob guys use it, you mm-hmm. know, which means just between us. Right. So Dennis and I used to use that all the time. Oh, uh, see, I didn't know you have I was looking at your email. I'm like, I'm not sure what that means. And now it makes complete sense. Yeah. It's so it's, it's out of respect to Dennis. That's why it's that's my email, Tradenoi. Oh, wow. That's that's cool, man. And it's just like from like the pilot. Directed by Abel Ferrara, who's done oh, legendary. Abel, what a character. What a character. Straight out of character, Bill. <laughs> oh, my God. I've heard stories, but I don't know if they're true or not, whatever. But, oof. I mean, everything from, I mean, the driller killer. Was, I, I, like, I mean, it was, my, it was my big break. I mean, before Crime Story, I, I had nothing. I had no footage, nothing. I had no film. Michael Mann took a giant chance, you know, uh, casting me because I all I had was couple of under fives and some, you know, work on soap operas. Not, I was never a contract player on a soap. I had a commercial that I had done and a lot of theater, a lot, a lot, a lot of theater and not even Broadway, mostly off Broadway and off Broadway. And uh, so when I got the show, I mean, there was nothing. Somebody said, Oh yeah, that guy from whatever, you know, or he did a little episode. There was nothing. I didn't have a, I mean, I had no foot. I mean, what are you going to do? Put together a real the soap opera stuff. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, at the time I didn't, you didn't do those kind of things, and so I, uh, you know, so when, when I flew out to the, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Bonnie Timmerman. I mean, you know, my my acting coach Julie Bravasso, God rest her soul, John Travolta's mom in Saturday Night Fever. Okay, yeah, and uh, so she was like, you know, she she helped Bill Hickey. 
you know, from Pritzi's Honor, you know, you want a cookie? You know, <laughs> yes. So, so Bill and I were really good friends. He had directed me in a play and, you know, the woman that he was dating at the time. So we put this play together and I was in it. And and I worked with him a little bit as, as a teacher. And then he said to me, Tony's, I can't teach you anything else. He said, just go study with Julie Bavasto. You need somebody who's going to like whack you over the head. You know, he goes, you're bigger than me. So, you you know, I can't whack you over the head. You'll whack me back. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, whack me back with that thing, you know. So he, uh, so I called up Julie and I told her, you know, he actually, he called up Julie and said, you know, this kid, you got to see this guy. So I went in and I was working with her and, you know, she broke through on a lot of stuff for me, a lot of resistance that I had as an actor. And I still use her technique to this very day. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, so one day I, 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 I didn't go, I didn't go to class. It was class was like every Wednesday night or Tuesday and Wednesday. And I didn't go to class. So I go the next night and I, you know, and I was late getting there and she goes, why didn't you call Bonnie Timmerman? And I go, what are you talking about? She goes, I gave you her number last week, told you to call. And I was like, you know, Bonnie Timmerman was doing Miami Vice and all these other, I mean, Bonnie Timmerman was a giant casting director. Yeah. And I was like, no, you never gave me a number. You know, yes, I did. You know, <laughs> you know, if you look at Saturday Night Fever, when she whacks them in the back, yes. you know, and I'm thinking to myself, what, okay, uh, you gave it to me. I'm sorry. I, I misplayed. You know, I, what am I going to do? I'm not going to argue with her, you know? And so I, she gives me the number. She goes, you call her. I told her that you were going to be called. You call her tomorrow, first thing in the morning. And I said, how early? And, you know, I would have called her at five o'clock in the morning. If, you know, <laughs> she goes, you know, we'll wait until like 10 o'clock or something. And I, so I called the 10 bang, clock goes 10, boom, I call. <clears throat> and so they said, uh, you know, she said, listen, you know, the, I, Bonnie, uh, Julie Bavasso said I should call. So the, the assistant uh, said, oh yeah, right. We were expecting your call. And I'm like, you know, you know how hard it was to get into yeah. at the time, you know, because I had, you know, I, my, the agents I worked with, I, you know, in New York at the time, you could freelance. You didn't have to sign with an agent. So, you know, it was sort of come see, come saw. And uh, anyway, so what happened was <clears throat> they told me about the character and I said, OK, so that day uh, at four o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, I assemble my best mafia looking outfit you know young wife <laughs> listen man. listen hold on the hair oh well then i then i just slicked my hair back my hair was long so i just okay. slicked it back you know <laughs> and um and i had it like you know slicked way back and so i go in and i have like a you know black jacket black pants the the, the you know a sh shirt with like little silver linings and you know yeah. I mean, like, like a, an up and typical, coming, typical mafia. Shit. <laughs> Look yeah. like a guy ready to get made. Right. And so anyway, so I, I, so she's, so I'm sitting. So the girl says to me, "Listen, you know, they're we're a little crazy here, uh, but Bonnie is, uh, you know, Bonnie wants to see you. So I'm going to take a Polaroid of you, and if uh, she wants to see you, she'll see you today. If not, she'll ask you to come back another day because it's like really crazy. Because I didn't know." They had to cast that role, Ray Luca. Mm. They had to cast that role by like Friday. And this was Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So, and so uh, I'm like, okay, 10 minutes later, she goes, she'll see you. So I'm in there and I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, and I'm looking at the lines and it's like, and I say, what is a really nasty character, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I didn't know what the guy was a lead. I just thought he was like a guest star or something like that. I didn't know. <clears throat> and, you know, and because of my technique, I was like, we're able to learn the lines pretty quickly so I could wouldn't have to look at the page as much when I went in. And um, so when I see her like 
peeking her head out the door, like looking, who is this? Because she, she didn't know who I was. Right. But I fit the bill physically of what yeah. she was looking for. So I go in, I talk to her and I'm like, I'm like, I, I, in fact, Bonnie gave me a gift of my audition. She gave me the tape, you know, and I sometimes use it when I would hold classes for kids, you know, to say, hey, look, there's a guy, that guy had no footage. I mean, that guy you're looking at, you know, that this came out of my acting coach. So don't anybody tell you, you know, it can't happen this way. You can't. I beat out 200 people for that role. Wow. With so, nothing on your resume. Wow. I mean, 200 people that they saw. I don't know how many people had been submitted, but 200 people that they saw. And so anyway, um, so I, 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 you know, I do the, uh, she sends me this, this tape. So if you see the tape, you see this guy, I'm sitting back in the chair like, yeah, well, I, I'm involved in this theater company over there. We do some, we do some plays over in you know, 20th street, this little theater, you know, and I, you know, I used to box, you know, I wasn't a professional fighter, but I, I boxed with Jose Torres and Norman Miller you know, at the Gramercy gym. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I look like I like a seasoned pro come. I mean, inside <laughs> my heart's going boom. Of course. Boom, yeah, hundred you know? percent. So I do the audition and she's like, and she goes, that was great. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it was like, I was in the flow. I was just yeah. in the flow. And I had an audit. I had a, a monologue memorized that a friend of mine, Frank Menya had written that for a play that I had done about boxing. And so uh, she said, do you have any like monologues or anything? Because I don't know you. She goes, you know, I, I, I'm not seeing you in any theater or anything. I said, well, yeah, I got this. So I did that. And she said, OK, fine. So then she's talking to me and that's it. So she says, well, I'll let you know tomorrow sometime what's going on. I said, fine. The next day I'm working on a commercial. Huh. And like the whole day, you know, this is before cell phones, for God's sake. So, of this course. Is so I'm calling back my house and i'm like i was living in brooklyn i was living in park slope at the time and in a, in a basement uh, a, a garden apartment you know and the that i my duties were my ex-wife and i we would clean the upstairs apartments when the woman would go away every week and we got an apartment for free i mean you know and on park on uh what, what were we on what avenue were we were on we were on uh between sixth and seventh i forget the street now like isn't it funny i forget the street that i was on <laughs> anyway so um, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Park Slope and that that's where I was living. And so I call my, my ex-wife's friend, I'm calling her and calling any, nothing from Bonnie Timmerman all day long, nothing, nothing. So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. So, uh, that night I'm home watching the Yankees. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, no offense. You're probably a Mets fan. You know? I'm not a Mets fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Oh, well, cause I know a lot of guys from Brooklyn, some, some made guys I know from Brooklyn. They're all Mets fans. <laughs> I'm, a Rogers, fan. but, I'm a Yankee fan. You know, they all want to, they all want to blame O'Malley, but it was really Robert Moses. Who <laughs> their hand. You know, they, they know, I don't know O'Malley, but stop blaming that guy. It was really right. Robert Moses. God rest his soul. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so it's like 10 o'clock. The, the phone rings. You know, and I get up and I go, I mean, I get from the chair and I go to, and he goes, hello, Tony. And I, right away, I recognized her voice. She goes, yeah. She goes, Bonnie. And I said, oh, hi, Bonnie. She goes, yeah, Bonnie Timmerman. I go, yeah, yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah. of course. And so she said, they liked your audition very much. I'd sent it, you know, the, to Los Angeles and uh, they want you to be there tomorrow morning to audition for the network. And I'm like, uh, what? Uh what re really yeah. yeah and she goes we're gonna try to get you on a plane t tomorrow morning first thing and you know blah 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 so be that as it may i'm the next morning i don't know that that's the lead 
That's right. you know, besides it's Dennis and me, we're the leads. <laughs> and you know, and Stephen Lang. Yeah. And so we're the three lead guys in the show. Yeah. So uh, I'm like, all right, you know, and I, I the limousine picks me up the next morning. I wear this, I bring the same outfit and a little travel bag. Of course. You know, <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I, you know I've never been to California before. So this is my first time going to LA. And I'm like reading the script on the on the plane. And I'm like, oh my God, this is <laughs> this is like the main one of the main guys. So now my now my heart, you know, is going like balloon, balloon. <laughs> I'm like, Holy. So I get off the plane, I go to the bathroom in, at, at, at LAX, change into the outfit, because I was supposed to go right to the audition. And um, so I go over to see Michael. He's he's editing Manhunter, the movie he did. Uh-huh. And um and he goes, oh, great, great, great. He goes, let's just run through the lines a little bit. And I said, okay. So we run through the line. I have them memorized, right. you know, and I'm doing the, the thing. And, and he, okay, he goes, great, great. He goes, we're going to go to this. We're going to go to the network. He said, at four o'clock. And I said, all right, look, all I, all I want is just, can I just like lie down somewhere? Is this story boring you, by the way? This is no, uh, no, not at all. I'm all in. Okay. Keep going. I, I, haven't told, I haven't told the whole story in a long, long time. But... That's awesome. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, obviously, oh, okay. there's other things, but I wanted to talk about crime stories. All right. Anyway, so no, the, no, I'm not boring short. at all, please. He goes, I'm going to send you over to my office at Universal so you can take a nap, you know, because I was tired. I like. The night before, I didn't sleep the night before. I'm, you know, I'm like a wreck, you know, and uh-huh. I'm thinking to myself, this is great. I'm, I've come all this way. I can't keep my eyes open. I'm exhausted. So then the his assistant comes in. Her name was Teresa. I haven't seen her, you know, since the first year of Crime Story. You know, she was a really sweet woman, English woman. And so she said, listen, I've got good news and bad news. And I said, well, well OK, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is we're going to put you up at the Sheridan Hotel and you can get some rest. And I said, okay, and what's the bad news? And she goes, and the, uh, the, well, the audition is going to be tomorrow, uh, you know, and so you have all night to worry about it. I said, you know, <laughs> that's, that's good news and fantastic news. I said, there's no bad news in that whole scenario, right. you know? So I go to the Sheridan <laughs> Universal. I call that guy Frank Manny on the phone. The two of us are running lines on the phone. So he <laughs> says to me, well, I don't know. It sounds okay, <laughs> you know? Right. And so the next morning, I then meet a friend who's been a friend of mine for like, since Crime Story, David Burke, who was one of the produ- one of the writer producers on on uh, on Crime Story, and then Wise Guy, and yeah. then uh, you know did Sequest for Stephen Lang, and then he, I remember Stephen Spielberg, and then he did uh, did a Tribeca with Stephen Lang for for, for De Niro. Wow. Yeah, anyway, so we've been friends ever since. Anyway, so he meets me in the Sheridan the next day, and uh, he says, "I'm going to be reading with you." He goes, "I'm not an actor." He goes. What should I do? I said, well, you know, the main thing I find, and I say this to people all the time, it's like, you know, just read with energy. That's all. Yeah. Just just be energetic. I know you don't know from, you know, you write the lines that we're saying. I said, but if you could just be with, just come with energy, just, and he goes, okay, I can do that. So I go in the next day, I'm at, I'm at NBC, I meet, and I, I go in this room, and, then, and there's one guy before me, he goes, he leaves. And then I, I go in and there's all these guys in there. And I got to meet Brandon Tartikoff, who later on became a good friend. God rest his soul. Yeah. And and so I, I meet all these people and I do the audition. And uh, one little thing was I the second scene that I did, Brent, Michael Mann's down front. And, you know, and he goes to me, he goes, uh, wait, 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 that Chicago accent. Goes, let's, 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 let's go back. Let's go back. He goes, and let's, let's, let's do that other scene first. And then we'll come back and do this one. All right. 
Uh, and I'm like, who gets these kind of like, you know, situate? Cause I found out later on, he wanted me so bad for this role because he just thought I was perfect. Yeah. And uh, so I uh, go back do the other scene. Then I go do the scene and I'm like, you know, I'm like gangbusters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I go out in the lobby, I'm waiting They come out, Michael Mann, Brandon Tartikoff, and all the other guys from NBC. And then there's David Burke. And they look down at me and they go, I'm sitting in the chair, like, you know, wishing I could leave, but I can't because David's got to take me back to the hotel so I can meet the limo. And, uh, and they go, you got it. You're it. And I go, what? And he goes, you're it. You're the character's name was called Nick Spano at the time. He okay. goes, you're, you're, you're Nick Spano. And I go, what? And so I go to stand up. My legs were wobbling so of much. Course. I fall back down in a chair. And they go, yeah, you know, it's okay. We're going to stay to Chicago, like right now, because the, they've already started rehearsing. And I go, right now? <laughs> and so then Teresa comes in and says, well, Michael, you don't really start rehearsing until Monday. Right. This is Saturday now. Mm-hmm. And she says, why don't we send him home? And then he can leave from New York and go to Chicago. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, so yeah, send him back. Send him back to New York. And, you send, know, him back. And to, yeah, send him back to New York. And then he can go to Chicago. So, and that was it. And that was, and then my, my life completely turned around. And, you know, God rest her soul, Julie Bavasso. I, and I called my mom and dad. And I go, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe this. And they said, "Well," and I said, "I got the part." And they were like, "Oh my God, Anthony! You know, you know, it's like, you know, oh, you know, it's like Bona Fortuna, you know, all this stuff." They're like happy as hell. Oh, but I call yeah. up Bonnie. I mean, I call up, uh, I call up Julie Bavasso, and this tough. I mean, this woman is like you would you would say like you know she's like a tough broad, you know? Yeah. Huh? Uh, you know, and uh, she's half Albanian and half Sicilian. So, you oh, can yeah, definitely. You yeah. got to come with, you got to, if you want to fight her, you got to come with an army. I'm not kidding. You got to yeah. be at least 10, 11 people to take her down. <laughs> so, I tell her, I said, I said, Julie, I said, you're not going to believe this. And then she goes, What? I said, I got it. She goes, You got it? And she started crying. Wow. Julie Bavasso started crying. And I said, What's the matter? You, are you crying? And she says to me, No, 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 I'm not. No, no. She goes, no, That's of course not. Me. She goes, That's, Oh my God, that's so great. That's so, oh, and remember all the stuff I taught? I said, well, I, Julie, I can't forget anything you told me. I said, you know, I, I owe this, I owe you, Bonnie Timmerman and Michael Mann, my, my life completely got made. Yeah, and, you know, wow. Like, I, every time that Jack Nicholson says at the end of, of uh, is this, uh, something's got to give, and he says, um, he says, he says, he, he said, he, she said, she comes back to him, Diane Keaton, and she goes, you know, I, I want to be with you, and he goes, if that's true, my life just got made. And it's like, that's what, that's what it was like. Some, my yeah. life just got made. It got made in that moment. Because I didn't know what I was going to I mean, you know, I was 36 years old at the time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, and I had drugs and gambling and all kinds of nonsense. And I lost time to that. And now I'm, you know, sure. I'm a sober guy. Well, <clears throat> I'm not doing drugs anymore. I got sober later on from yeah. drinking. Yeah. But my life, my life got made. Yeah, that's amazing. So how could you ask me if that story was boring? That's like your origin story of how you made it, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I find that shit fascinating, man. Like, I'm all in on your whole story. Like, I find it amazing, Um, especially... I think it was a, it was an article or something. I was I was looking up other things about you and whatever, and I knew it was online. It's, it's, you're very open and honest about your sobriety. So I figured... You know, it's it's not like you're anonymous about it. So, like, I figured that there was some 
rough patches early on. And for somebody. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it was like I got I just, you know, I was in theater doing a lot of things. And then I got sidetracked and I was working at gambling clubs, uh-huh. you know, to try to, you know, make uh, ends meet, make ends meet. And I, because I didn't want to drive a cab. Right. Well, I mean, I didn't want to attend bar or do anything like that because I drove a cab and I got held up and stabbed, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't want to do that anymore. You know right. what I mean? That so, had to be, where was that? Uptown in Manhattan? No, actually, I was driving a cab out in the island. Oh, no. You know, and, and so this guy, these two kids, got, it was my fault. I picked them up. I thought I, I, I'm going back light. I'll, I won't call it in. And that's what you get for being dishonest, you know. There you go. So Unreal. Anyway, so that's that's uh yeah, amazing. And like and and what a show to start on. I mean, the cast is absolutely fucking ridiculous, man. I mean, Andrew Dice Clay before he broke big. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Andrew used to say to me all the time, he's unbelievable. Tony, Tony says, I'm I'm telling you, so I'm gonna become my goal is because there's nobody out there like this. I want to be the raunchiest comedian there ever was. You know, he's, you know, my act, you know, and I used to, when he would perform in Vegas, when we, would do, when we were doing the show, he would be at the Aladdin, you know, and the, and the, the clubs like out sort of like outside of town, you know, right. kind of stuff. on the outside. And, you know, and, and he, you know, and Andrew, you know, Andrew is Andrew and, uh, and he is just, uh, we, we were really, we were pretty close, yeah. you know, then as it is the case in, in Hollywood, you know, you, you tend to, you go your separate ways, but I was with him when he met his first wife. You know, and uh, they have two two wonderful boys as a result yeah. of it, and uh, and then you know, sadly they broke up. You know, but after a while, yeah. And you know, and he had he he, he took some shots. You know, in oh terms yeah, I followed I followed Andrew Dice Clay's career through all the peaks and valleys from when he did the Dangerfield special from there, and when he blew up, he used to play on Emmons Avenue at Pips all the time in Cheapside Bay. You know, and then you know from headlining and doing the, the whole arena stadium thing to, you know, walking, being banned from, you know, Saturday night live and all this stuff. And then for a while, his career was kind of in the dirt for a while. And then, I mean, look at a guy, look at the guy now. I mean, it, he, I have nothing but respect for that guy. Right. And he, you know, <clears throat> Andrew is a hustler. I mean, he just kept, he just kept, you know, he's a Brooklyn boy. Yes, he is. He is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he kept, he just kept it up, kept it up, you know, and he's got like, you know, he's got that little show he does and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, and he, he showed up in, um, what was it? The star is born. Everything from like silly ass adventures from Ford failing, you know, adventures of Ford failing to a star is born to, I mean, he's he's done a lot of stuff, and he's not a bad actor at all. Like, he's actually a really no. good actor, and you know, no, no, a lot of people don't realize that. But he's actually he's a, a good. He's good a hell of a drummer too. Yes, he is. Absolutely. So, I mean, him. I mean, you had you had a young David Caruso on the show. You had David you know, and I became really good friends. That was you know, David. Uh, I that scene we have in the car. Yeah, you, you whack know, him I, in the pilot, right? I whack him in the pilot, right? Well, he's he, but see the key about his character, he was like it's a shame he didn't get like uh, nominated for supporting actor because he was really the supporting. And when you talk about like a supporting actor and lead actor, his character had a relationship with all three of the lead guys. So he he's the guy that brings all three of the lead people together. 
Yeah. You know, uh, Stephen, um, uh, what's his name? Stephen Lang and, yeah. and, 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 and Dennis and myself. Yeah. And so, and he did a wonderful job on the pilot. He, he was did. wonderful on the pilot. He did. Whatever happened to him? I know he was, you know, he was in King of New York, Abel Ferrara also. Well, he had um, that show. He did, he did the, the CSI Miami. Mm-hmm. He did that for like 10 years. And then I know he's got a, a really cool pilot that he wrote uh, right. and, uh, and he wants a star in. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I, I, I always liked that guy in First Blood. He was in. He was in Kiss of Death with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage and all that. Like he's had some really good roles, man. And I just wondered, whatever happened to him? You know? Yeah. I mean, no, nobody knows. Yeah. You know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's just you know, this business. Like I remember, I had a I had a a friend that I I I haven't seen him, and he was more a friend to my ex wife than he was to me. But we were we were you know we we were friendly and knew each other. And when I got Crime Story. Mm-hmm. His name was uh, his name was Robert Zuckerman, and uh, <laughs> you know Robert Sugarman. Yeah. And anyway, so Robert, uh, he uh, one day we were talking, and he goes, "This is great, you know, this this is fantastic, you know, because he knew I was doing a lot of theater, and he was a doctor of theater. His mother, you know, nice nice Jewish family, and uh-huh. uh, from Shaker Heights, uh, Ohio, you know, outside of Cleveland, and so his mother's. Robert, be a doctor. What are you doing with this? Theater? So he became, so he studied and became a doctor of theater, you know, wow. of theater arts. Wow. You know? And so his mother could say, well, my son, the doctor, you know, which is what he would kid around. <laughs> with. So my right. mother could say, you know, my son, the doctor. Right. You know, <laughs> you know with a sort of like a question mark. My son, the doctor. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> he, um, so he says to me, Tony, he goes, I have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of visiting, you know, uh, celebrities would come to, to to Columbia. That's where he taught. And they would guest lecture and stuff like that. He goes, and, and all my lunches with all these people and all the stories they would tell me about, you know, Hollywood and stuff. He goes, the only thing I could tell you that I learned, because he was strictly didn't give a damn about film. All he wanted to do was theater, 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 theater regional theater on the road, you know, uh, traveling. It didn't matter. Robert was just theater, theater, theater. And um, so he said to me, he goes, this is one thing I can tell you. He goes, that the only thing you can be sure about is that there's nothing to be sure about. He goes, and if you remember that, he goes, I guess your disappointment level will always be sort of low. Right. And when I do remember that, that, you know, that there's nothing to be sure about, you know, uh, the only thing I can be sure about, there's nothing to be sure about. When I remember that, disappointments are minimalized, you know, yeah. they're, they're not as, they're not as, there's not, and even Goldman in the beginning of adventures in the screen trade said, just remember like, you know, nobody knows anything. Right. And yeah. they don't, they it's don't. Cause every movie then would be a blockbuster hit. Every TV series would be tied for first place in, right. you know, on their time slot. So yeah. people don't know. I mean, and it doesn't make no rhyme, no reason. No rhyme right. reason certain shows that don't make it like, what was it? Tom Hanks said, I don't know if he was repeating something somebody else told him, but he had said, like, you know, uh, uh, he said that, you know, getting a movie made in Hollywood, he didn't say about TV, but I think he meant movies. He getting a movie made in Hollywood, he goes, considering what you got to go through, is nothing short of a minor miracle. And he's right. Yeah, and Tom right, is right yeah. about that. I mean, you know, Tom was a big fan of Crime Story. He, when I met him, he said to me, he goes, oh, man, you and Dennis Farina, he goes, and Stephen Lang. He goes, I went out and bought a trench coat like, like Torello had. That's great. <laughs> you know? He goes, he says, you guys were the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, that's uh, and that's he's right. It's a minor miracle, yeah. you know, and I was got, got to be friendly. You know, look, I'm 
I'm the biggest fan in the world of the entertainment industry. When I meet somebody, you know, especially when I meet character actors, you know, I get like goofy, you know, and I got to hang out with and play poker with, um, you know, Charlie Durning, you know, this, the, this schmooze game that I used to play, this guy, Norby Walters, who was just, I mean, Norby Walters is the greatest ever. And, uh, and also Brooklyn boy <clears throat> and Norby, well, Norby's like 90 something years old now, Jesus. <clears throat> anyway, he uh, would have these games, with all these celebrities like Milton Berle would come, you know, and they would, and, and you name it, they would play in this game. And wow. I mean, there was a schmooze game. Like you would play. And I mean, if, if, if you played like a lunatic, the most you would lose maybe $150. I mean, you'd have to be a lunatic. Right. And if you would, the, if you, if the cards went your way all night long, you'd walk away. Maybe you might win $200. So, right. You know, and it was like a three, four hour game. <clears throat> but anyway, um, it's just all for schmoozing each other. Yeah. And I would say, and, and Charlie Durning was at the, used to play in the game, you know, and Charlie Durning used to be like, he goes, he's no oh, kid. He used to call me kid. Yo, kid. He goes, you're pretty good, kid. You're pretty. I was like, oh my God, Charlie Durning. Yeah. You know, and George Siegel said to me, George Siegel one day comes over to me. He goes, he goes, yeah, you know, I see. He said, I like you a lot. He goes, you're really a great guy. He goes, so I decided to watch your show. He goes, you're pretty damn good. Nice. Damn good. Feels I'm good, like, man. That's a good George thing. George Siegel, my, one of my, like, you know. So anyway, but Charlie Durning used to say that. He goes, he said, you know what? He goes, as far as this business is concerned, he goes, I act for free. I get paid to wait around. Nice. You know, like trailer, you yeah. know. And uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway. it's, it's I, I, He's gone. God rest his soul, uh, Charlie. But boy, what a guy. So, <sighs> I remember I was talking to him one time about, you know, I said, hey, so uh, have you seen the, the the nominees, Academy Award nominees for uh, Best Pictures and stuff like that? And he goes, well, yeah, not all of them. And I said, have you seen Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan? He goes, no, no, I, I can't. I can't. I can't see that. And, and I said, you can't see that? I mean, what do you mean you can't see it? Yeah, really? And he goes, I was there. I mean, he landed Omaha Beach. And wow. he, was, he lied about his age to get into the Army. He was 16. So he lied about his age and him and Jack Warden. Okay. Both lied about, they were both golden glove boxers, believe it or not, but they lied about their age and they're on Omaha friggin' beach in 17 or 16 or 17. And then he tells me the stories about the battle of the bulge. He goes, I thought that was the worst thing I could ever imagine. Then he said the battle of the bulge. And, you know, and so he says, I can't watch the movie. It's going to give me nightmares because I'm already getting like flashbacks, you know? So, and again, great, great guy, great guy. Wow, and wow, that's weird. I mean, we're on podcast time right now. This isn't going to come out for a couple of weeks, but today, as we're recording, is eighty years today of the bombing of Pearl uh, yeah. Harbor. Pearl Harbor, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been to Hawaii a couple of times. Next time I go, uh, I'm definitely going to go to the Big Island and 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 check out that. Uh, I the other times it was always on somebody else's dime, yeah. so I didn't. They didn't have the, you know, the, the connections, the wherewithal to say, oh, let me change this, change. It was always a limited amount of time and I had to be there and then, you know, and then go. Yeah, that, that memorial is beautiful. Like that one, it's, 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 it's sitting on top of the wreck Iowa? USS Iowa? Arizona. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. It's absolutely, it's beautiful. It's, it's so crazy, but it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 I would love to see it one day. One day I'll make my way over there. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's, yeah. uh. It's a plan of mine to do that. Yeah. yeah. So just to just to throw out just a couple other just people from Crime Story, then we'll move on to something else. Um, oh, I mean, nope. yeah, John Polito, who was amazing in Miller's you're gonna, Crossing. You're going to make me cry. I mean, 
Johnny was like family. I mean, uh, I long after Crime Story was yeah. coming on, you know, Johnny and I used to hang out all the time. You know, uh, he, uh, I mean, he was just like, you know, it's like <clears throat> Johnny used to do things. Uh, Johnny was very, very helpful to me on the show on Crime Story because, you know, he said, I watched you in a scene, you know, looking at the dailies because you don't do anything. He says, you just look. Goes, How do you do that? How do you do that? Just that look. He goes, my God, me, look at me. I'm like, he's all animated. And yeah, I look over you. And he goes, I'm thinking to myself, and you unnerved me in the scene. You just gave me that look, like with, uh-huh. this, with that that stare, the Lucas stare. He called the it Lucas Luca. stare. Nice. You know? <laughs> and and but he used to teach me stuff because again, I, like I tell you, I mean, Jimmy, this is my my big break, man. So I didn't know from you know, and he'd say he'd take me around on the set, like when in between setups, and he'd say, "Stand here." And I said, "Okay." He says, "Close your eyes," and I close my eyes. He goes, "All right, now, one step a little bit to the left." He goes, "You feel that?" And I said. What am I supposed to feel? He goes, just right, move back. He goes, now go back. You feel that? And I go, well, I feel warmth. I'm like, that's the light. He goes, that's the light. He goes, now go back the other way. Did you feel that? I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, you got to get to the point where you feel that so that you don't have to worry that you're in your light because you just feel it on your skin. Uh. Goes, you know, and he would take me around and say, he goes, you feel that? And I go, yeah. And he goes, that's the light. He goes, or close your eyes, come over here. Now sit down. He goes, like, I want you to turn around. He goes, and he says, you feel the way that the light is moving? He says, oh, my God, I'm leaving. So he used to, he used to do that. And then wow. we used to sing this song sometimes when he gets stuck in a scene. And it would be, it's like just to get the scene, like get in, get in position, he'd go, he'd go, you make me feel brand new. No. So that the take would be brand new. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he was yeah, great. He was great. I mean, he was amazing was, in that, amazing in Miller's Crossing. And oh, Miller's Crossing? You can hand me the hi hat. What are you talking about? Oh my about? God. He was such an animal in that movie. He goes, so trying to hand me the hi hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so over the top crazy. Oh my God. He was Johnny, but yet you look at Johnny's body of work. Akeem Tamirnov, that was his one of his heroes. You know, the guy from, um, what was it, uh, Ocean's Eleven? Yes. You know, try, or the guy who organized, that's the one famous yeah. movie for uh, Akim. Yeah. Then he goes, he's the, so I've, you know, and he's a lot of times, he goes, sometimes I slip his voice in when I'm doing, you know, a show. He yeah. goes, I love that guy. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but he would, if you look at the, the, the body of Johnny's work, you know, I'm telling you, his characters are memorable. Yes. I mean, just, and they're all, like, you know, and, and and it may be like, you know, he would do little things like, look, and, and uh, what was that one, that one Cohen brother movie he did, Bar- Barton Fink. Yeah. He had a like, little stupid hairdo. Little, like, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. and a little pencil mustache. Pencil mustache. Again, you know, Michael Lerner, who also played in the poker game, um, Norby's poker game, Michael Lerner was, you know, had a, a bigger credit, I mean, a, more to do in the movie. But when Johnny was in things, Okay. Uh, like, okay. uh-huh. Johnny is, and then you know and then with the thing with uh jeff bridges which i said to him i said you know I, there's nothing that i'm envious of you except that you got to work with jeff bridges yeah, i yeah. said most at yeah. the time most underrated actors in, in freaking hollywood sure. you know did you look at his body where finally he wins an oscar yeah but you look at uh he sh- should have won an oscar for the great lebowski that was unbelievable but anyway he goes yeah Brother Seamus, what brother shit your brother? He goes, what are you, a monk? When he says, what are you, like, a monk? He goes, no, private eye. Johnny was great. Johnny was great. Oh, rest man. his soul. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
It's great. I mean, ama- amazing actor, amazing roles, like you said. Yeah. And there's there's so many. It's like Pam Grier, Ray Shockey, Michael Madsen, Eric Bogosi, and I mean Gary. Sinise. I mean, uh, not uh, what's her name, Julie. Uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Julie, Julia Roberts was in was in uh, Crime Story. Insane. Yeah. It's like Stanley, everybody, everybody was everybody. everybody. I know it's, it's, it's I would have a, like 300 people if I was supposed to name everyone. Yeah. So it's, it's just Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey played uh, yes. the Robert Kennedy kind of guy. Uh, who else was in there? Uh, David High Pierce. I, I didn't get to work with him because Frasier is like my favorite show. Okay. My favorite. I, I, I've watched every episode of Frasier. I have no kidding. I'd say, 25 times. I, I mean, I love that show. Okay. And so I like, I, you know, and I remember one time I thought to myself, I said, I wish I had gone to the set that day. I would have got to meet the guy. Yeah. You know, this is before Frazier was even on the air, sure. you know, and I would have just, you know, it said, Hey, I got, you know, I, I, I worked with him or I met, I met him, you know, I just yeah. love that show. But I got to meet Kelsey a lot because Johnny actually through Johnny Polito, Johnny, Johnny and Kelsey were friends from New York. So I got to meet Kelsey through Johnny and, uh, Kelsey's always been like a stalwart guy when, you know, every time I see him, he's like, always like, stand up. How you doing? And he didn't know that Johnny, Kelsey and I were both invited to the 70th anniversary of the founding of Israel. Uh, I got invited by the consul general uh, from America, who was, who was, I got to be buddies with through my, my dearest friend, who's an Orthodox Jew, Joel Bess. And uh, so he, we, we were there and Kelsey was, main speaker and so kelsey uh i said to kelsey i said yeah blah 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 you know and i said you know it's a shame i said johnny dying and he goes and he goes polito died i didn't wow. know that and he was like it's told and he goes oh my god he goes and he had to go sit by the side for a little bit to compose himself yeah you know? uh he said jesus i love that guy i said yeah what's not to love johnny was that that kind of guy he was like yeah you know he's just total you know like family yeah anyway wow i'm real all right, I gotta ask you. <laughs> Shoot. How the hell was it playing Joey Butterfugo? Oh God, that that came. You was, you played Joey Butterfugo and Drew Barrymore was Amy that Fisher. Was, that was fun. And it, it, it ultimately <laughs> was a fun role to play. But yeah. how I got it was I it wasn't I was too in, far I, after the incident either. That came out in ninety two. Oh, no, no, no. I had heard about some of the stuff that happened. Then I went to Thailand to do a movie, Man of War, with Dolph <laughs> yes, Lundgren. With Dolph Lundgren and <laughs> yeah. tiny list of Debo tiny, and Zeus. Oh, yeah. tiny list of Zeus. Rest man. in peace, him. Jeez. He used to call me his little brother. Come here, little brother. Come here, little brother. He's the one who got me into physical shape on that movie. I mean, this really? guy worked. He beat me like a redheaded stepchild. Damn, <laughs> nice. But I mean, I got to the point. I was I was bench pressing two hundred and sixty five pounds. Really, like, like three weeks. He had me bench pressing that. Debo anyway. from Friday is training you. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So we because we, we'd hang. We were in the same gang together on the, in this in the movie. But yeah. anyway, so what happened was. Um, uh, when I came back from Thailand, you know, I was like ripped. I was in such good shape. And then I get the phone call from my agent. He goes, you're not going to believe this. He goes, but they just offered you, you've been offered all three Joey Butterfuka roles. Holy shit. And I go, Joey Butterfuka, what was that? That's that guy, <laughs> him and his wife with some Amy. F-. He goes, yeah, you know anything about it? He goes, you're out of the country. You're out of the country for like six months. You know, and I said, well, I'd heard some stories about it, you know, and 
And I said, all three movies, ABC, <laughs> CBS. And I was like, what? So I, the, the one show I thought, nah, that, that one, the story seemed a little far-fetched, you know, yeah. the way they were, because it was a lie. I mean, right. you know, the one, the other one network was doing it where it was all Amy and he had nothing to do with it. Right. That was the, the official one that the Butterfucos had got behind. Of course. And then the one at NBC definitely said this guy is guiltier than, than all get out, which he was. Right. But the thing at ABC that I liked about it was it was based on Amy Kauf. I think Amy Kaufman. She was the writer from the from the from the post or the Daily News. Anyway, her, they did it kind of like Rashomon, like we're kind of like, well, this is what this one says happens. And then they show you what happens. Right. And then they said, no, this is what this guy says happened. And they show you what he says. Happened. Right. And I said, oh, that's because in my heart. Reading the script, I said, this guy seemed like he's guilty of sin. I said, but of course. I can't, you know, I can't say the guy's guilty. I mean, you know, absent any real evidence, to, to, you know, to the contrary, right. I have to go with the, uh, you know. So, so I said, I accepted the one with, you know, and then they tell me Drew Barrymore's in. And I said, oh, this, this seems like a good kid. I'd like to work with her. Uh-huh. Anyway, and she was wonderful. She was, she was, she was, she was big at the time. I mean. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I told the stories that because I'd read a couple of books about her grandfather. That she didn't know. And she oh. was like, like she it was like, I'd sit around, you know, sit we sit around on the set and I tell her a story. She goes, I never knew that. I said, Well, it's wow. in that book. I said, it's in Garson Kanan's book. I said, and that story is in David Niven's book. I said, and that's the story I read about Hollywood Babylon. You know, I said, you can go check. It. I mean, the stories might be fake, but those are the stories that I read. Yeah. Anyway, so um I forgot the point that I was trying to make about the so oh, so then I have a cousin. You're not a blood cousin, but you know, you, you know, when you're Italian, yeah. you grow up, you, you don't call them, you don't call them like, uh, you know, by their first name, you call them aunt and uncle. Yeah, so of course. Call oh, yeah. Friends of mine are my, do- my daughter's <laughs> yeah. uncle. Hey, it's uncle yeah. so-and-so and uncle so-and-so. They're not blood related at all. Right. So he calls me up and he goes, I heard, I read in the papers that you're going to be playing Joey Botafuco. And I said, yeah. He goes, did you know, like, you know, when Mary, when Joey... The, the complete auto body, the character of whatever, you know, and I said, yeah, he goes, well, that's, that's Maureen, his, his wife. He said, that's Maureen's cut. That's Maureen's sister. You know, she were, uh, so I said, what? He goes, yeah, she works. She works for Joey Buttafuoco. So he tells me the whole story about this guy and, you know, and I'm like, oh, so obviously he's guilty. Yeah. But, uh, but I didn't know because all I saw was newspaper accounts. That's insane. Yeah. It's, it's like, not a sister. The woman who worked in his complete autobot, I forget what his relationship was to my cousin Johnny. But anyway, you know, he just said, this is, you know. Yeah. So I was like, uh, wow, I played Joey Botafogo. I wonder how that was because that story was everywhere for a while. Like, that shit was crazy. It was, I tell you, it was fun. I didn't know anything about it. I was mm-hmm. literally out of the country mm-hmm. while the whole story was breaking. You know, and um, but I had a great time. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, of course not. No, listen, you know, you're playing a character. It's not you. But I just think right. at the time that that came out and that story was just everywhere. It's just. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty crazy. And how was it playing Gotti in, in getting Gotti next to Lorraine Bracco? Well. Again, you know, somebody once said Hollywood. You know, New York's like a small town, but Hollywood's like a street corner. Sure. But but the thing is, when I got offered the, the well, I, had, I had to go in and read for the Gotti role. And I was like, 
don't they know who I think I am? You know, you know, whatever. And I was like, I just wrote Grand Crime Story. Ray Luke, I, Time Magazine called me the best villain of the decade. I mean, you know, whatever. I was like, oh. oh. Then didn't oh. someone call you the Elvis? What, what was it? The Elvis from I, I forget which paper. Somebody said, called me up and uh, they said, Tony's is a, I don't know if it was the Village Voice or one of those papers. They call me the Elvis from hell. <laughs> Ray Luke, uh, the Elvis yeah. from hell. Because <laughs> of a big pompadour I had. But anyway, so I, uh, I was like, Burr. So there's oh, there's a copy of the um, there's a copy of the um, was a Hollywood Reporter, and I just spilled some water on my 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 keyboard here. Hold on a second. You all right? It's all right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, let me get my t-shirt. Go grab a tissue if you need to. And while you're doing that, I can read off my sponsors or something. It's fine. We can all right. Yeah, okay. All right. These things happen. See, this is all off the cuff, man. Yes. <laughs> I hate when I do that, but I yeah, it happens, happens though. Okay. Anyway, so uh what was what we what would you ask me? Uh we're talking oh, about yeah, you you thought who you uh, you know who yeah. I am going for, for the so guy. There's a role. copy of uh there's a copy of uh, Hollywood Reporter. And inside the copy of the Hollywood Reporter, it says that uh what's her name? Um Meryl Streep covets the role of Evita in uh, in Evita. All right. So I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean she covets the role? So she had to go in and read for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Now, at the point that she does, and she goes in. All right. And I realized that she went in, because this was an old Hollywood reporter, and I realized she went in and she read, and she didn't get it. And at wow. the time, she had like two Academy Awards and seven Academy Award nominations. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking first of all, this guy calls, says, oh, you got to come in and read. And to Meryl Streep. Like Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep, who sings like an angel. And it's like, I mean, to me, she's like the premier acting talent of the universe. Right. Okay. It's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, sure. and so then I realized, wait a minute, if Meryl Streep can go in and read and she's Meryl Streep at the yeah. time, who the hell am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I think I am. <laughs> right. you know, I'm, I, I'm who I am, but I'm not who I am. You know, right, you know, who the hell, you know, don't you know who I think I am? You know, that old expression. Of course. So I go in and I read and I I go in and I decided I was going to make a choice. And the choice I made was that I wasn't going to get up, get up out of my chair until the last two sentences. <laughs> and and I was going to take just two steps towards the person I was reading with. And that was it. And I was going to stay as far away from them as I could and still do this menacing thing that I had to do. So I did. I was like built up all the steam inside of me and I go do the scene and, you know, and then I go and I'm done. And I said, okay, I said that, I think that's it. That, that, and they said, wow, that Jeff Szymanski, he was the head of CBS at the time. And he was in the room when I read for crime story. He was, he oh, worked shit. on Brandon Tartikoff, you know, the few years before. Yeah. <laughs> so so he says, he says, wow, that was great, Tony. Thanks. And I said, oh, you're welcome. You know, said, good luck with the project, which is what I usually say. I don't, I don't wish anybody ill if I don't get it. It's not, you know, sure. I mean, gosh, Christ almighty, there's thousands of people applying for jobs. All <laughs> of the course, time. of course. So, you know, and uh, somebody once said, you know, somebody's rejection is God's protection. So, so I, so I leave and I get in my car. This is the CBS studios over on Beverly in, in, in Los Angeles. And 
no sooner do I get in my car. Remember, cell phones were connected to the, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you had a little pigtail antenna on your car. Yeah, right. Yeah. As exactly. if you were a big shot. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right, yeah. You, you know, you, you <laughs> had the one that came off and you could put in your pocket. You know? Yeah. So uh, I uh, I get the call from my manager and he goes, uh, you got it. And I said, I got, got it. He goes, yeah, they all just offered you the role. I said, I, I just literally left. And they said they they wanted you to. They, there was just no ifs, ands, or buts as far as they were concerned. You were Gotti. Wow. So, so then I found out that the casting director, I think her name was Margaret McSherry. And um, yeah, pretty sure it was Margaret. Yeah. And, but she was a good friend mm-hmm. to a friend of mine. And the guy told me the story. He said they couldn't, they couldn't figure out. They said, you scared the hell out of everybody. <laughs> and they were like saying... They thought like, because, you know, a big, you know, foreboding to touch somebody when you're in an audition. Right. You don't ever touch the person you're reading with. I mean, I don't give a damn how method or methadone your acting is, you know. Methadone. Yeah, really? I didn't yeah. even know that. I didn't know yeah, that was know, like. I mean, that's like, you know, that guaranteed you're not going to get the role. If you OK. You, you, make, you, threat, you make the person feel like. But I, you know, did what I did. Like I told you, I made this definite choice, you know. And they couldn't, they said, didn't he come up? Didn't he touch? Didn't he come? And, and then one guy who was sitting off to the side watching, he said, the guy never took more than a step from his chair. Yeah. And he really, and they go, yeah. So they went back and looked at the, 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 the footage and they said, holy Toledo. Wow. We thought that he came and right up to you and like, and so they said, anybody who can do that, he's got the role. Yeah, hundred, yeah, effective, big time. That's that's awesome. So that's how I got the role. And so then I, you know, went up to Toronto, had a ball doing that movie. Oh yeah, a ball doing that movie. <laughs> and it yeah. was it was just great. Yeah. Now I definitely need to touch on, and if you could tell me anything, you know, I mean, you might know some behind the scenes stuff, maybe to a certain degree, but. Playing Coach George, ESPN's Playmakers. Uh huh. Unfor- un- very unfortunately pulled after one season, 11 episodes. Well, that was because they had like lots of problems. With, you know, <laughs> yeah. They had a couple, two, three pl- problems with the NFL, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, but I just wanted to tell you two quick stories about, about Gotti first. Of course. Absolutely. Well, Lorraine Bracco, her mother and father were members of the Sons of Italy, the okay. same Sons of Italy as my mother and father. So when Lorraine and her sister had both guest starred on Crime Story, mm-hmm. that's where I got to meet them for previously ah. to this happening. And, uh, you know, and Lorraine and I, I mean, I don't talk to her that much because she lives in New York and whatever. But we're every time she sees me, Tony, oh, my nice. God. You know, she's like, but she's, but that's so that there's that. And the other one is Roger Young was the director. So one day he says to me, Tony, I got tickets to the, the garden, the Maple Maple Leaf Garden or whatever it is in Toronto. You can see wow. a hockey game. And I can't stand hockey. I mean, I'm not, because I just don't play it. I've play tried it. so many times. I want to love it. I can't get into it. If I want to get my, you know, my, I'll go to I'll watch a game and I, you know, if you want to get that like cooked up inside, but I like hockey, you know, hockey, schmocky, you know, basketball. I think sometimes I'd say if I had an overactive pituitary gland, maybe that'd be better at the game, you know, because I just don't play the game well. Baseball, boxing, all the live long day, you know, you got me in front of the TV. But anyway, so we're at the hockey game and I'm telling you, I mean, like literally, 
I, I, I think I said, this, is this what it's like when you, when you, when you have a, like a lobotomy? You know, <laughs> I, I was like, I couldn't stand it anymore. So I, I'm about to turn to the guy, Roger Young, the director. And, Cause you know, we had the, the greatest seats in the world, you know? All right. And, um, and I'm about to say to him, Roger, would you mind if we left after, you know, the next period? Just as I'm about to say, he turns to me, he goes, Tony, he goes, listen, he says, I know, you know, I invited you to come tonight. He goes, but he said, would you mind if we left after the next period? And uh, I go, no, not, not at all. No, not fine. Let's go. Right? I'm fine. He goes, all right, you know, the next period, we'll leave. So the game was, it was like, I think it ended in a tie. Okay. But it was, you know, it was a tense, tense game, you know? Yeah. And so the buzzer rings. So we go to stand up to leave, and so does everybody else. Oh, shit. And I'm thinking, holy shit, they, they're not going to make us leave. Because, like, well, you can't leave in the middle of a game. Right. I realize hockey only has three periods. Right. <laughs> so the game is over. <laughs> nice. I'm thinking, oh, the game's over. I forgot about that. It's got to be got three periods. And it ends in a tie. That's terrible. Like, no sport should ever end in a tie. Like. Yeah. Well, what about yeah. soccer? I mean, I got, I got to like soccer a little bit. And then the, the World Cup ends in a free kick. And I'm thinking to myself, what? Yeah. That's it. They sit there and they cover their nuts and yeah. then they, they kick the ball. And if it goes through, they get that's it. All that five years of play, all the all the teams, and yeah. that's how it ends. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh my God. But you know, it's the most I think it's the biggest spectator sport in the world. So in the world, them. it is. And they also, you know, as far as they're concerned, we're not changing anything. Yeah. We're gonna play, we're gonna play our way, and that's the only way we're gonna play. You understand? Yeah. I can't, I don't know. I, I can't get into that for some reason. I can't get into soccer either. People go when crazy. You watch it, when you watch it, when you when you sometimes if it's a it, it's a it's a pretty good game. And you know why it's so popular? Because all you need is a friggin' ball. Yeah. Okay, you know, and so that's why a lot of poor nations. They don't need the baseball bats and a glove yeah. and, a, and a ball yeah. and bases yeah. in a stadium, you know, or, you know, the, the, whatever. All they need is just a ball. It's like football, too, to yeah. some degree. Football yeah. eventually will become like a big, a big sport around the world. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's like George, soccer, like George Carlin said, he's like, you know, he says, you know, what's a sport? What's not a sport? And he says, soccer, not a sport. Can't use your hands. Not a sport. <laughs> 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 Running around kicking a ball all day. Oh, I used to, but Bill, uh, um, Mike Robin, who's the producer of the, um, one of the producers, executive producers on um, uh, uh, Closer and Major Crimes. Yes. You know, like he's like a professional golfer. I mean, he was almost, he was a professional golfer before he got into the business. And uh, I said, golf, I said, it's not a sport. And he looks at me like I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's not a sport. Come on. That's a I mean, sport. You know, you can't get a hole in one on a par five. I mean, right. so what's the, what's the big deal? Exactly. You know? You're lucky if you you, fu- you hit the ball. You're lucky if you find the fucking thing. Yeah. You hit it. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, funny. So playmakers, man, playmakers. what's up with this friggin' show? Because it was awesome. I watched it when it was on the air, and I show, like- I had. I'm sorry, it got canceled because I got to tell you, not being a big football fan. I got into the sport again. You know, I would like to yeah. watch a lot of footage and they would show me like, you know, play, play reels from different colleges and different professional teams. And I really started to get into it. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, I thought to myself, this is great. And then, you know, the show was, it was like, as far, if that was like a network show, it would oh. have been like, you know, like, a, like a, the Cosby ratings. I yeah. mean, like when the China show, share. That's the kind of shit. I mean, as far as you know, ESPN. ESPN said, "Oh my God, this show is like." And and, and the demographic 
of men watching that show was ridiculous. Of I mean, course. One man were watching that show. So, yeah, you know, I think it was like, like besides, besides like Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football or something like that on ESPN at the time, that was their highest rated show on ESPN, period. I had two nephews, you know, they're all the other, ne- my, my, my youngest sister, her kids are all girls, but my, my, uh, my, the middle child, her, her, she has two boys and a girl. And, you know, when, when their uncle, Uncle Tony was uh, coach, uh, you know, George, Mike uh-huh. George, it's like I used to get them dates because they would, you know, I'd send them pictures, you know, nice. like find a, sign an autograph picture. And girls oh, that's would great. Say, oh, really? That's your uncle? Oh, cool. Wow. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> so like, but I tell you, one time uh, I went to visit a, an AA friend of mine in New York. Olivia, her name is really great person, really great, great, great person, really good friends. I haven't seen her for a while. I got to connect with her again just to see what's going on. Uh, I know she got married. I don't know if she has kids or not. But anyway, so she, um, so I meet her and we go by the, whatever that ESPN thing is in New York. It was the the ESPN zone. The the ESPN zone. You would have thought that like, I mean, I mean, suddenly, hey, let's, let's go to my show. Suddenly I'm signing order. I mean, they come in to me like. Yeah. 300 guys. Yeah. 300, they just circle me in the corner. And I, at first I was like, whoa. And I was like, uh, you know, it's time. I said, why don't you play, uh, you know, Russell Hornsby? He was playing the other, the other player. And he goes, why don't you play him more? Instead of that, that crack addict. What is what's the matter? And, and I said, God, it's a show, man. I said, it's, it's a show. I have, no, I have no say. Why don't you play him more? <laughs> so it was a shame. If the show had gone, it would have been, it would have, it would have ran five, six years at least. Yeah. Yeah. Was, pressure from the NFL though, as well. Oh, lots of pressure. Yeah, lots of pressure. But I mean, again, you know, none of the stories like I mean, you know, I remember one time like Russell and I were walking and he gets a call from his brother who was a lawyer in Oakland. Russell's from Oakland and he gets a call and uh, and the brother puts him on with two pro football players and they go, you know, and they, and they go to Russell. They go, you saw, you know, I've, I get over here. I'm on the phone and he goes. You guys put like a mic in a damn dressing in the damn locker room. He says, what the? He says I had to, he says, who the hell is right giving you guys? So we're gonna find these guys. I'm telling you, it's not cool, man. It's not cool. <laughs> Shit. You know, because we were like it was like really like very truthful. Everything. You know, Ronnie Lott, like we did a thing where the guy was gonna cut off a piece of his finger. And I said, What are you kidding me? And then he says, No, Ronnie Lott did in the Super Bowl. He says, What do I need that piece of my finger for? This is the Super Bowl. And he, a piece of his finger was cut off so that they could ease the pain, you know, numb the pain. And he went out and played with them. You know, when he, you know, when he shows the, the, the ring and the Super Bowl, yeah. he, he proudly shows the little piece of his finger that was cut off. Jeez. You know, from the, the broke, the break in it. Yeah. And uh, the guy, you know, it's just, it's, you know, again, it's, it's an amazing sport. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I, but I just, it doesn't do anything for me. I, I had a coach in high school. He was probably a psychopath, you know, because <laughs> I know, I don't think he killed anybody. So let's just say he was a sociopath waiting to graduate to become a psychopath. There you go. Yeah. And he, On the he, fence. Put a, he put a taste of football in my mouth where I thought, what, who the, phew, this stupid But anyway, you know, but yeah. I, you know, I, when it's played well, it's 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 a it's a wonderful thing to observe. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a football fan. I'm yeah, not I'm not, I'm not all in 
like I used to be. Like not really with any sport. I just I feel like I don't have time. I'm a father. I work a lot. You know, I do this. I I I keep myself busy so much that I don't know. Like the Yankees, I'm a Yankee fan. I don't really follow them and I don't go crazy anymore because I've given the Yankees. Me too. I've given the Yankees every single range of emotion that you can give a sports team. From the 80s when they were like they did shit. From the dynasty. Right. From the dynasty to the collapse in Boston to the Diamondbacks, then back to the 09 World Series. Like I've given them every range of emotion. So now I'm just like, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm a miserable Jets fan. Like my girlfriend, my girlfriend, she is like, she she can have her own the sports talk show. Okay. Football, basketball, you know, baseball. I mean, I'm telling you, this this girl is like, it's like like my friends. Like, like there's a telling my friend, Joel Best, who has like a man cave and all that stuff. And, yeah. and he invites her over to come watch the games and not me. Cause he knows I don't, you know, and right. every time we go to his house for Shabbat dinner on, on Friday night, you know, he'll immediately talk, you hear that trade or, you know, and, but anyway, so one day I, I was at a poker tournament and I bid for this uh, on-field passes because Seattle, that's her team. The, the Seattle Seahawks were playing, um, um, we're playing the, the, the Rams, you know, in, in LA. So, so I got the, I got the, got, I, I got the bid and I got the, the on-field pass. So we're there and she's wearing Marshawn Lynch's Jersey without his name. Okay. And you know, that whole controversy about them not giving him the ball, you know, yes. and that they could have got two Super Bowls and anyway. So Right away, we go over to Pete near where Pete Carroll is, and he sees that shirt, but without the name, he doesn't see Lynch on the back. And he's like, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, and she goes, she goes, you know, I, I favor who I favor, you know, what can I yeah. tell you? Yeah. Okay. And then I, I take him to the side. I, I said, listen, <laughs> Pete, let me tell you something. I said, if you get in a conversation with her about sports, I said, she's going to blow you. She's going to blow your mind. And he's this like, is to Pete Carroll. Like, yeah, Pete Carroll. And I, said, <laughs> I don't awesome. know. I don't. I don't know anything about your stupid sport. I don't know anything about your sport. I said, but I tell you, I said this girl should blow your mind. He goes like this to me. He goes, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. Fifteen minutes because I go walk off to the side because I couldn't care less, right? Right. Fifteen minutes later, somebody's pulling on my sleeve. I turn around. It's Pete Carroll, and he goes, "Where did you find her?" <laughs> he says to me, "Where did she come from?" Uh-huh. I said, "I told you, man." Yeah. I said, "I told I'm you." Not and he's like, and he goes. Wow. He goes like this. He goes, wow. Yeah. Goes, wow. So, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, man. When was the first time you worked with Randy Shanofsky? With Randy Shanofsky? Um, no, the, closer, the closer. Oh, the closer. That's right. That's right. The closer. So he came oh. on the closer. He was, he was filling in for somebody who was sick or wounded or hurt or who knows what. And, yeah. you know, he came on. And I went over to him. This is always my want is to, you know, welcome, you know, because I always look at it. It's like, this is my house. You know, and as a kid growing up, when somebody comes to your house, you go, what can I give you? Or, you know, you want to sit in this chair? I'll give you, you know, whatever. So I went over to him. I said, welcome to the show. It's good to see, you know, what's your name? Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, he, so, but he wound up staying on the show for the rest of the time. And then he obviously, he, he wound up moving to the major crimes with us. Major crimes. So we just became really close. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this is, we're talking about, like, we're talking about a stand-up guy. On, yeah. You know, because you know, the word mensch, like yeah, he's mensch times ten. Nice. Yeah, he's mensch times ten. Yeah, every every single time we we speak, he's always he's great guy. Yeah, now, I just I just want to rip through 
a few other things you were in. We don't have to go into into craziness, but like I said earlier, it it doesn't have to be one episode or three or two or whatever. I I think it's awesome that you were on uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) I got to work with Joan Jett. Uh, that's awesome in and of itself. You were like, he was, he was the best. She go, Tony. She had that voice, like almost like John Polito. Tony, <laughs> right. let's go into town. Let's go into town and get in trouble. Come on. There you go. <laughs> I said, Joan, I'm sober. I don't. She goes, All right, you watch me drink then. There you go. I'll go go get in trouble with Joan Jet. That's hilarious. You know, and 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 she's she was great. She was great. Yeah. She was great. You know, and I got to work with Blondie on Crime Story, you know, uh, Deborah yeah. She Yeah. On Crime Story. You know, and she, you talk about one of the nice, both of them, mm-hmm. super duper nice women. Mm-hmm. I mean, super duper nice. I mean, just really nice people. Yeah. Really, really nice. Like neighborhood girls. Like neighborhood girls. Neighbor, yeah, exactly. Like like a girl from the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. You Some know, comes up here, how's your mother? How's your, how's your family? You know, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, of course. Like, like the, the girl down the block would ask you. Yeah. Of yeah. course, it's funny. Um, Sons of Anarchy, Jag, Cold Case, Boston <clears throat> Eagle, Castle, uh, CSI, NYPD Blue, ER, Criminal Minds. I mean, all fun. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. That was an interesting one because uh, Peter Weller. I get a call from uh, Peter Weller, and uh, who you know, I never worked with him before, but we know each other. We have a lot of the same mutual friends, and I get a call from him. And he goes, Tony, he goes, we, you know, he says, uh, I was talking to Kurt Suter, you know, the executive producer. He goes, and uh, he goes, we want you to come on the show. And I said, well, that'd be great. I said, except I'm doing major crimes. And he goes, we'll work it out. We will work it out. And I said, yeah, but major crimes is going to have like first position on any, doesn't matter. We'll make it work. So Kurt Suter calls me up then after the, I said, all right, well, I'll do it. You know, I, I said, what, what do you want me to play? And he goes, you know, you play this guy, you know, he goes, it'll be fun. He goes, you know, probably be one day, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> given the time constraints. So I said, all right. So Kurt Suter calls me up. He goes, I can't believe, because it's my bad, that I didn't have you on this show. He goes, you know how much I love the crime story? He goes, you have no idea. Right. He goes, you know, because Katie Seagal had to say to him one day when we ran into him, go over and say hello to him. He was. He didn't want to come over and say hello to me. Because go say hello to him. He's a regular guy. He's a nice yeah. guy. Yeah. So he came over and he goes, I just want you to know how much I I said, oh, well, thanks. You know, thank you very much. Yeah. I said, Sons of Anarchy is fantastic. And he, but he said to me, he goes, I can't believe I never had you on the show. Yeah. I can't believe I never had you on the show. Ah. So, so they put me on the show. I worked one day. I had a ball. Yeah. They, they treated me like visiting royalty. They invited me to the, to the, to the giant rap party, you know, because uh, it was the, the end of the show. It was the last yeah. season. So I got invited and he gave me a shout out, at, you know, you know, at, at the theater. I'm thinking to myself, well, I did one scene, you yeah. know, two, one or two scenes. I said, the guy, you know, but that's how much he liked me. You know, yeah. we were able to get Tony Dennison to come on. And I was like, yeah. Who's he talking yeah. about? It's about me. Oh. It's like a feather in one of your fedoras up there. Yeah. But yeah. Right. I do have feathers in the fedora. Right? <laughs> nice. And another one. That's pretty cool, man. Right. Um, I mean, what you were in, like, what, was it one episode of Charm? But then. <laughs> Charm, they thought I was too young looking to play their father. That's All right. All right. I mean, you know, Aaron Spelling, God rest his soul. He was Michael Mann's like sort of rabbi in a sense. I mean, he gave Michael his big break. And so Michael, you know, Michael would go to the mattresses for Aaron Spelling. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, that's my guy, you know. 
Yeah. And uh, so he loved Aaron Spelling. So I met Aaron at Brandon Tartikoff's 40th birthday party, giant party, Dodger Stadium. I mean, it was nice. And so when when Michael Mann gave me the intro to Aaron Spelling, suddenly Aaron Spelling then looked at me in a different light. And, you know, and we talked and then they called me up and they said, Aaron wants you to do, uh, you know, Charmed. Yeah. And I was like, what do you want me to do on Charmed? And he said, play yeah. their father. And I said, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I went in, I played the father and there was supposed to be, I was supposed to be on a few more episodes than I was, but they just said, you know, you just you look too young, you know, okay. and you're the right age. You know, I was 42 or 43, certainly old enough to be their father. Sure. But they just said, you know, you just when you were in the scene with uh, Sharon Dart, he said, you look like you two could have dated instead. You know, <laughs> you know, well, that's, not a, bad, well, that's not a bad thing. You look younger than you are. It's not yeah. a bad thing. Well, yeah. So, but then, you know, I'll say this one story about, about uh, Aaron. There was a, there was a real lull in my career. And I mean, I'm telling you, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to have to quit. You know, I was so. Wait, what, what, what time frame was this? I'd say it was like 1998. Okay. 1998 to 2003 during that period of time. Okay. It was really bad. I mean, you know, get, I mean, it was, as I thought, you know, my, my life was falling apart and I was sober. I was stone cold sober, yeah. you know, and I'm thinking, you know, my marriage is in, everything's going up. So I get a phone call though, a little bit before that. And uh, you know, about, about a year before that, when it was, when I realized that it was, this is not changing. Yeah. Or seemingly not changing. Right. Uh, I get a phone call, and that's when I got Playmakers. Playmakers was the one that ended that drought. Right. And but anyway, so I get a phone call. Aaron Spelling wants you to come on um, Melrose Place. Yes. And I go Melrose Place, and I'm thinking Jim Riley. I go, what you know? You know the character. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do on Melrose Place? I'm like, so I'm not. And he said, Aaron said, he said, and he he says. He doesn't know if you're a fan of the show or not. He goes, but he'll make it worth you a while. He said, Aaron said to say specifically to you, he said that I will take care of you. You know, yeah. he says, I'll be a mensch. And I'm like, it didn't matter. I mean, it's Aaron Spelling, you know, he's Michael Mann's patron in a sense. Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, I, I got to do it. You know, it's Aaron Spelling. Sure. When they told me how much he was paying me for those 10 episodes. Yeah. I, I mean, I started crying. Wow. I called him up and he goes, he goes, forget about it. Forget about it. You know, Tony, you can hear him. He goes, Tony, are you kidding? Yeah. He goes, you're a great actor. He goes, I'm, I'm, we're, happy, we're lucky to get you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Aaron. All right. Whatever you say, man. I mean, he paid me ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. I remember my, my sister used to watch it all the time. Cause that was like right after like 90210 and stuff like that. So it was like, so then it was like Melrose place. My sister used to watch it all the time. So I'd like, Okay, you know, I got I, so I got the gist of the show, and I remember your character because my sister would be watching, and I'd sit down and what are you watching? And it's the next thing you know, I'm watching Melrose Place every week. You know, yeah, he was he was wonderful. You know, he was he was like I said, I didn't hang with him a lot. I met him through Michael Mann, and the guy always was, I mean, stand up towards you know, I mean, really, just always like you know, stand up guy, and. uh and he he definitely and I and I needed that money badly, yeah, badly. So wow. he must have, you know, they, they they know. I mean, you know, you know, you say, "Where's I haven't seen Tony Dennison in something in a long time," or "I haven't what's he up to?" I haven't, yeah. you know, people talk, people say things. I mean, I guess 
And he called up and just wanted me to play this role. And, and he said, tell Tony, I'll take care of him. Wow. And I was like, it didn't matter. I was going to do it anyway. It's, it's yeah. Aaron, Aaron Spelling calls you. What do you do? Like right. one of the one of the richest, most powerful guys in all of Hollywood calls you. You you go. Yeah, hundred percent. Crazy. Now I definitely want to touch on real quick. I don't know if you really talk about this very often. It's a wild one, man. Which one is this? Full Eclipse with Mario Van Peoples. <laughs> Am I not supposed to bring that up? No, 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 no. I, I. Um... That movie's something else, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I I had a ball on that show. I got to tell you. Uh, you had to love. I mean, because it was like way over the, you know, like all that science fiction stuff. And, you know, and it was like really other than Charmed, I'd never played anything that was even remotely science fiction. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember I went one, the first day I was there and I was having a tough time you know, getting into the character the first day we were in the locker room and I remember like, you know, Mario, he was very sweet. He was like, don't worry about it, man. He goes, Hey, he goes, just, he says, what he, he didn't say to me, just be Luca. He goes, just bring that tough guy. Yeah. Find that tough guy. What? I, said, I don't know what's the matter, man. I'm having, I was having like a little, and so I, I, you know, finished, I just blustered my way through this, this stuff and it was okay. I mean, you know, when I looked at it later on, I said, what was I worried about? But right. you know, for me, it was in my head. So the next day, so that day when I was home and I was like working on, I came in the next day and I was doing my stuff and Mario comes over and he goes, damn, man. He goes, you brought your A plus game today. Oh my God. He goes, now I got to keep up with you. Uh I said, I said, no, no. I said, I felt bad because what are you nuts? He goes, you were great yesterday. He goes, I mean, you maybe to your standards, you weren't. He goes, but I thought you were fine. He goes, I said, well, thank you for being kind. He goes, I'm not being kind. You were okay. And I said, but today. Like you're like man, like you like took that juice that we were pretending to take on the show. Yes, uh-huh. You're gonna turn into a werewolf right in front of my eyes. Yeah, what a wild movie, man! And I but think you know the, nice. the real shame. The real shame is that I, I like you know I, with their permission, I would say, do you mind if I like ad lib or you know improvise? Yeah. You know, and usually they if they say no, I go okay. You know, yeah. I never do anything at the beginning or the end of the scene because I don't want to change the plot points. Sure. But in the middle of a scene, if there's an opportunity to throw. So the one where I, my, my character crashes into the wall with the motorcycle yeah. and I come out of the smoke. Yes. So now they had a budget. They were running and trying to get things done. And I said, they said, I said, I, I want to say something here. And they said, we'll say, we'll loop it in later. And I said, OK. So I, I come out and you see smoke off my clothes. And I go, so I go to my partner. I go to Mario. Man, people, I says, do you think the dry cleaners can get this out? I just threw, I just threw that line. Yeah, the cast, the crew is laughing, and and so when we go to do the looping, I they said, you know, I said, what what did you say there? I said, do you think the dry cleaners can get that? Is that really what you said? And I said, I said, yeah, that's really what I said. And they didn't loop the line in. Ah, shitty. It's a funny line. I mean, the cast, the, the crew broke up. Yeah, they just broke up. I said, do you think the dry cleaners can get this out? <laughs> Yeah, if, if people watch it and listen and haven't seen that movie, check it if out. If you watch it again, you'll see me talking, you know, but not, but that's what I'm saying. You think, yeah. the, hey, you think the dry cleaners can get this out? Unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. People, people need to say, I think, I think it's an underrated movie as well. Yeah, it's it was so a lot of fun. Top, but it's fun. It's a fun movie to watch. Yeah, Anthony Hitchcock was the director. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, man. Do you mind if I throw out my sponsors real quick before I forget about them? Sure, sure. 
Are you a co- you're a coffee drinker, right, Tony? Oh, you kidding me? I drink heart attack. It's a brand called Heart Attack Coffee. Nice. And Pete's. Pete's. Okay. Well, I mean, I was I was in I was in San Francisco doing a movie, and they kept saying to me, Tony, you want some Pete's coffee? And I thought Pete was like the the, the cook or something on the show, yeah. you know, the craft services guy. And so they they see him with the with the canister of Pete's coffee, uh-huh. and I Pete's Major Dickinson blend. Okay. So I get the cup and I go, "Damn, this is good. What is this?" Nice. <laughs> well, one of the sponsors of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace is a coffee company called Dead Sled Coffee. D E A D S L E D Coffee. You can follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast. Is it like a French roast? Is it a dark roast? It's all different kinds. You can get like your little breakfast mild blend. Well, send, get... send me their information. I'll, I'll, I'll order some coffee. 100%. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you put in promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order. And any order, $60 or over, is free domestic shipping. Um, so thank you, Dead Sled Coffee. My second sponsor, it's local. It's um, it's a place called Generation Records. They've been around since 1992. They're located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village here in New York City. Um, follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. And if you can't make it to the actual brick and mortar spot, they have an eBay store. And they also you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and order anything online from their online store. Last but not least, is New Republic Printing for screen printing, embroidery, stickers, and buttons. You can follow them as well on Instagram at New Republic Printing. If you go to newrepublicprinting.net, there's a drop-down menu with all kinds of brands of T-shirts, everything from hoodies, zip-up hoodies, sweatpants, underwear, whatever you want something printed on clothing-wise, they'll do it. There's no screen fees. There's no setup fees. And if you have your order shipped to any commercial address it's free ups ground shipping so you can get a thousand tony denison shirts created and have them shipped to any commercial address and have 35 boxes delivered it doesn't cost you a nickel so dead sled coffee generation records and new republic printing thank you for being sponsors that's it i think if my girl michelle wanted me to say anything else i don't think so but anyway i'll promote whatever you want don't get into a contest with her about football baseball or basketball (laughs) no she's like it's like I said, honey. I said you got to get you got to get your own show. This is nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, why not? Tell her, I don't know. I don't know. You know, make time for it. I don't know if you. I don't know what to tell you. Um. So I do want to touch on, if you don't mind. Um. Oh, and then I then we can stop because I got to go eat dinner. Yeah, whatever you want to do. It, is that okay? I mean, it's a hard. You want to do another? You want to do part two? I don't know. Whatever you want to do, we could. We we're already an hour and a half in. We could just touch on one thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? Whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. Let's just talk. Another couple of minutes, and then I'll let you go eat dinner. Take as much time as you need. Take as much time as you need. I wanted to talk about because I know that you're very, you know, out there, and you actually mentioned it here that you are an AA. Now I used to be as well. I myself. How many? Twenty-eight and a half years. Congratulations. Well, actually, February, uh, March will be 29. 29. Congratulations. Thank I'm, a little, I'm a little bit over seven. October 1st was seven years for me. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I had almost seven at one point. Then I went off the rails for like three and a half years. And now How long it took Bill? You, you, you read, you read. Bill, yeah. Bill was in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, you know, I mean, if I got it the first time, I'd have 37 years of sobriety. 
if I, I got it the first time, I would have, I think I first walked into a room when I was like 23 or 24 years old. I don't know what the quality of my sobriety would have been like, but I, you know, I would have, I would have maybe 37 years of like white knuckle, as they say. Yeah, but like, you know, I like to think like, I like to think that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm walking the, you know, trudging the road, happy destiny. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't always walk at the same speed as others, but you know, I'm always on it. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. I just wanted to touch on that and acknowledge that because I get it. I understand. You know, oh, thank you. good. I'm glad. Good. Muscle talk to you seven years. That's great. man. Yeah. October 1st for seven years. And, you know, you know, people say, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'll never say that I'm done because, you know, obviously these things happen. But the way that, you know, where I ended up last time, it was and we all know, obviously you would know. Not everybody understands because they're just not like me or whatever. But, you know, it's it, it never gets better. And every single time I wound up going back out there, it wound up at the end was worse and worse and worse and worse and worse at the end. So, you know, I probably wind up in a box next time. You know what I mean? And, and that's being completely honest. You know what I mean? And I have a kid now. It's it's the party's over. You know what I mean? I partied enough for fucking 25 people in my life. And it's crazy that I'm actually sitting here speaking to you or anybody. I was talking to a guy today at work about it, like certain situations. I'm like, I wouldn't have like the balls to do that now. What was I thinking when I was 18 years old in my city <laughs> situations? And why am I in burnt out Harlem in 1991 on a Saturday night at two o'clock in the morning by myself going to look for shit? Like what's wrong with, you know what I mean? Like crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, and, they, call, um, you know, second, they say seconds and inches, you know, yeah. And uh, I mean, one of the reasons why I stopped smoking cigarettes was I remember listening to a radio show one time and the guy was talking, he says, all it takes, he said, is one cell to be superheated from and dragging on a drag on a cigarette or cigar or pipe or whatever. He goes and commutate and cause can't start cancer. You know, yeah. now how the severity of the cancer or where it winds up, you know, that's up to you. It goes up to your body. Yeah. And I started thinking one cell. <laughs> one, okay. it's, the same thing, it's the same thing with booze, you know. We can be drinking and all it takes is like, you know, one cell to like, then you got cirrhosis, you know, one cell, you know, all kinds of crazies. And yeah. I, you know, I don't, you know. Yeah. So it's, that's how you were talking about minor miracles before. It's a minor miracle that I'm saying. Well, yeah, well, but they say about hey, yeah, minor miracles in which God chooses to stay anonymous. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, we didn't even touch on, but at this right, well, point. Well, no. we'll touch on what? No, I'm just saying because at this point, everybody should know. I mean, 108 episodes on The Closer, 105 on Major Crimes. You know what I mean? That's why I... I that show is the gift from God. I mean, uh, I knew James Duff was the other executive producer and creator of the show. And I knew I knew James. And uh, and they called me in and they, they wanted me to do... Um, I didn't get the, the two roles that I had read for. Uh, I, I I I didn't get. They they gave one to G W Bailey, and uh, and then the other one was a black guy. So I, right. what am I going to do? You know, right. and uh, and they had already cast J K Simmons for the role that he was in. So I was and and, and John Tenney, who I've known John. I've known John John Tenney, one of the funniest guys on the planet. I'm telling you the fact I'm, I keep saying, John, one of these days, my prayer is that you get a sitcom. I say, cause you like, you like one of the, I mean, this guy, he'll tell you a joke, tell you jokes. You'll be, you say, I got to leave the room. I got to leave the room. Otherwise <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. 
<clears throat> but anyway, uh, so I was like, okay, fine. And so they offered, they said, look, there's a guest, you know, guest star may reoccur. And it's Lieutenant Flynn. And he's got like, you know, really good scene, six page scene in the beginning of the episode. It may reoccur. may reoccur. May reoccur. May, re- may reoccur. Not reoccur, may reoccur. Yeah. So I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I did it. And uh, <clears throat> next thing I know, uh, I get a call. The network says when he left the set, Michael Wright, who now is the head of Epix Television, really good guy, stand-up guy, really stand-up guy. <laughs> and he was also, Brandon Tartikoff had said to him, you know, you're going to be the next me, he said to him one time. Long before, you know, Michael, uh, Mike Wright wasn't even, you know, he goes, me, why me? And he goes, just trust me. And I gave him one of Brandon's birthday hats, you know, still a wonder at 40, at that 40th birthday party. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so Michael Wright said to me, I found out that when my, he says, when the character leaves the scene, storms off after having the fight with Kieran, the first episode, the pilot yeah. of the Closer, we all wanted, where, where did he go? What, what, what's his next move? Yeah. And so James Duff said, well, his next move is up to you. And then he goes, okay, make him a reoccurring character. And go. then after the first year of the show, he said, oh, you know what? He goes, so I was in seven or nine, nine episodes of the 12 episodes. So I was supposed to do seven. They gave me nine. And he goes, those three episodes that Tony wasn't in is three episodes too many. Let's make him a regular. Ah, so there you go. Two, I was a regular. And I was, you know. Yeah. And over 200 that. episodes as Lieutenant <clears throat> Flynn in a, in, a, in a role that may be reoccurring. And you know the expression manna from heaven? That's yes. what this was for me. It was manna from heaven. Wow. So I always say, like, you know, I always use a lot of, like, uh, a lot of street, you know, mob stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, like I say, you know, hey, James Duff and Michael Wright and, and uh, Mike Robin put a lot of money in my pocket. He put right. a lot of money in my pocket. You're real. He made me an earner. He <laughs> made me an earner. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to tell you a cute story about my mom. Sure. So the Rayo family, you know, the Rayos, you know, Rayos. Rayos. Yeah. So yeah. the Rayo family, they were the guys who ran the restaurant. They were the Rayo brothers, the other brothers, they were like, you know, those kind of guys. Yeah. And the other ones, though, they went and opened the restaurant and they were like, you know, obviously two different factions of the family. One was legit and one was not. Right. But they in the 107th Street, Third Avenue, the Rayo family, you know, through the Profasis, sort of kept that neighborhood, you know, safe and whatever. So my mom knew a lot of those guys, you know, she grew up with them, you know, she yeah. knew Frank from, uh, from the Rayos restaurant. <clears throat> he's, he's, he's gone now too. God rest his soul. But... I paid my respects to Joe Pafacci not that long ago. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The mausoleum over in St. John's. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Pafacci is, he used to run pigeons, yeah. numbers yeah. pigeons from my yeah. grandfather's building, the roof of his building. Okay. And my uncle Benny, God rest his soul, used to get these to throw him 20 bucks. Say, kid, if you see any cops, come up and tell us. 20 bucks back in the 30s. You know, it's 21. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like somebody's saying he has $500. Keep an eye, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so my friend, I have a guy who's, you know, connected. Yeah. We all have a guy. (laughs) Yeah, I have a few guys, but this guy I was very close to. And he he takes me to Rayo's because I had never been to Rayo's in, in, in Harlem. Because right. my mother used to say, who goes out to eat Italian food? We're Italian. We're making it at home. What are we going to go out? Oh, Chinese food. We're going to have Chinese food or whatever, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, only on special occasions we would go. They'd go to this one place because the raviolis were like fantastic. Some place in, uh, in Kew Gardens we would go. 
in Queens for go from Harlem to Queens. Anyway, <clears throat> so 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 Ronnie takes this guy, Ronnie's friend of mine, takes me to this place to the Rayos. And I'm thinking, oh, it's great. I meet Johnny, I meet James Kahn for the first time. Nice. And I tell him how, how much of he's another underrated actor. hundred you know, percent. So we're talking, and I, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm having a great time. So I said, let me call my mom. So I call my mom. Now, what this is like, we're not in the neighborhood 45, 50 years at least, you know. Yeah. So I call my mom on the phone and she's out in the island. She's still alive. God rest her soul. And she, I go, mom, you're never going to guess where I am. She goes, where are you? I said, I'm at Rayo's. She goes, are you all right? <laughs> are you all right? You're not in trouble, are you? That's hilarious. <laughs> years. She goes, are you, are you all right? <laughs> That's great, man. Isn't that wonderful? It is. And then I got to tell you another cute story about my mom. Okay. I mean, my mom and dad, they're like my heroes. I mean, I tell That's people awesome. if I have, if when I pass, if I can have as many people at my wake as that my dad, my dad had like almost 800 people at his wake. Wow. And he's a truck driver. Yeah. <clears throat> but he did favors for people. He always like came, my car broke down, my refrigerator broke, my house, help me, you know, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Okay. And I remember at the, at the wake, the uh, <clears throat> priest came over to my mom and he says to her, he says, um, he goes, uh, Mrs. Serrero, he says, it says here that your husband um, was a truck driver. And she goes, yeah, why? He goes, well, there's almost like 800 people here at the wake. And she goes, well, Johnny was loved. My husband was loved by a lot of people. You know, grown men were weeping for this guy. Yeah. And he goes, there was a congressman who died about like five months ago. And he was beloved in the area. He didn't even have 300 people. Wow. That says <laughs> you know, a lot, man. That's that's. What a yeah. send off that that's yeah. that's yeah, that awesome. my dad, my dad, John, you know, John Serrero. And, you know, my name is taken from this woman, Jan Dennison, who helped me out of a jam when I the first time when I had the, the, you know, the problem with with cocaine and stuff like that. And I took her name out of respect to her because I never thought I was going to get my career off the ground. Right. So I said, you know, because she was the one who got me started in, in, in the community theater and we would do touring theater. And I did it with her and, and, this, and this company. And so I we actually when my first marriage ended, I went to live with her and her family. Her and her husband were like like godparents to me. Wow. And and um, so I had that's where the name Dennison comes from. Okay. And Jan is still alive. She's in Florida. She's like 94 years old, I think, or something like that. I'm anyway, um, so, uh, but I, with my mom, I remember during that period of time, I told you when things were like really, were really, you know, tough uh -huh. and uh, this is gonna make me cry now. So I, I don't know why I'm telling you, cause now I'm going to cry. You know, my mom at the time, during the time she'd say, you know, she'd always like, when I'd be in a movie, she'd go, you know, Anthony, she goes, Oh, you know, you're in a movie with so-and-so, you know? And I say, well, yeah, mom, I was the, you know, I was the lead. I was the second lead of the, she goes, Oh, well, that's nice. You know? And it used to bother me, you know, I, you know, I'm like, but one day I call up and, uh, you know, it was like really during a tough time. And uh, now I'm going to cry. I call up and I say to my mom and I said, mom, I said, you know, things are really tough. You know, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she says, Anthony, she goes, I don't understand. She goes, why don't they use you more? And I said, well, you know, I'm trying. She goes, you know, because I see you when you're in movies with certain actresses. She goes, I see them in other movies with other men. She goes, and when they were in a movie with you, their acting is better. They're like more present, the more, you know, she didn't say present. They're like more there, like, or, you know. Yeah. And she was like, their acting is better. And I'm crying on the phone. My mom tells me that. Yeah. 
And I'm like, you know, well, thanks, mom. Thanks, yeah. you know. And, and, and so then she says to me, she goes, Anthony, she goes, she goes, why don't you, she goes, why don't you call up that guy? I said, what guy? She goes, you know, the guy with the bull. And just to show you how you're so connected to your parents. And I go, you mean Martin Scorsese? <laughs> the guy with the bull. <laughs> so she goes, yeah, that guy, Martin Scorsese. He's Italian. He's, I know he's from the, he's from the village. He's not from Harlem, but he's from the village, you know. Yeah. Give him a call. He's Italian, tell, you know. And I go, Mom, I, you know. And she goes, Why not? She goes, You're Italian. You're a good actor. You know, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to tell them that you know, like you're giving them something bad? Right. And I'm now I'm sobbing, you know. So I said, Okay, Mom. So I called up, you know, I called up because they were doing Goodfellas, and wow. I called up for you know, and they said. You know, we already it was already preordained who was going to play who, whatever. And, and most of the the roles are cast. You know, we have little tiny tiny roles that probably wouldn't. You know, and I would I was ready to say, well, I don't care, but yeah. but they were right. They were really tiny roles, and I said, okay. <clears throat> but um, I said, quite like guy with the bull, that's, and I knew she meant Martin Scorsese, Raging Bull. Isn't that amazing? Hilarious. And as soon as you said the guy with the bull. I knew exactly what you were talking about. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, you know, my dad, like my dad, and so even though they're not they're not sober people, I mean, they weren't alcoholics, my parents. But right. my dad used to say to me, which is very similar to what we do in AA. He used to say, Anthony, if you have the answer, if you need the answer to a question, he says, you got to ask. He said, because the embarrassment of asking is nowhere near the pain of not knowing. And this comes from a, like a like a truck driver. Yeah. He didn't even finish like the eighth grade or ninth grade. Yeah. I mean, he came to this country, he was, I think, 12 years old. Yeah. You know, my mom was a baby. She was like two years old. But um, I mean, it's just, you know, amazing stuff. So they're my heroes. They're my heroes. That's they're awesome. the people that I, you know, I, I, I think I say to people like, you know, I, I use this expression. My girlfriend makes fun of me. But I say, I'd like to think that I, I have like blue collar values and a gold collar profession, you know, so. Yeah. Wow. What a story, man. That was awesome. That was great. Yeah. The guy with the bull. I love talking to you. You're great. You get, your show's going to you, eventually you're going to be like syndicated. Ah, listen, I started no, no, this. I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm, no, I'm telling you this. Telling you the straight, straight I just energy. thought I started this. I mean, I appreciate that. Like, I really. No, you got a really nice quality. I mean, you just want to talk when I talk to you. Yeah. You I just yeah. I don't want to bullshit. Yeah. That's it. That's why I said even before I press record, I have no questions for you. Ah, fuck all that. I figure you listen. How many interviews have you done with this network, that one, this one? They have questions. What got you into? And now I would. Let's talk about fucking crime story. And well, you know, you know, it's funny. Like when I, uh, when I'm when I'm talking to people, you know, sometimes you can tell because I used to be a newspaper editor. I was a newspaper editor of a, of a paper upstate New York. Okay. You know, and I did that for about two years, and you know, and then I went somewhere else mm -hmm. but um you know so when I, I mean my forte was interviews and i used to do really good interviews or so i thought yeah you know or like to think i don't know and, how to interview anyone anyway well you you're marvelous at it and i don't oh. use that word i don't use that word um uh, you know without definite intent and in, i appreciate that man i i, I appreciate that i don't know i just i don't know i'm just me you, know, you, have, you got like a you got like this kind of like Oh yeah, and, and and let me tell you about. And, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, well I'll tell you about. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, like two you know guys in a diner drinking coffee without you know pinky. Like, enthusiasm. Remember in in the in the um, was the Al Capone? 
Enthusiasm. 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 We can hit the ball all the live long day, but what is enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is so good. So good. Yeah, so good. Um, so any many more questions? No, I no, not really. Um, I do know that you have a few things in post-production though. Unsuited deep woods and the apple and the tree. Okay, the apple in the tree. That's according to your IMDb. So you know, you know, from the internet, it must be true. I don't know. Well, okay, the uh, the uh, the uh, Deep Woods is um, it's a movie that's done. They they finished it. I don't know when they're going to release it. Uh, Jeff Kurtz is the the producer uh, of it, and um, they called me up, and I went to uh, Wisconsin to do it, and I was there for about a week. Did all my stuff in one week. There you go. I play a psychopathic <laughs> sheriff, you know, nice. growing, having, you know, the, you know, the, like there's a lot of those places. They have the, the pot in the mountains, you know. Yeah. And, they, and uh, they, so he's got these pot pot fields and uh, this guy stumbles across it by accident. So now I got to I got to kill him. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, that's, and, and that's that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what, what are you supposed to do? Let him live? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, no, but anyway, so that's <laughs> so that's that story. And the other one, Deep Suited, that was a fun role. I get a call, <clears throat> Dan Loria, um, who uh, I know pretty well, and uh, Dan and Ronnie Marmo, who, if you ever get a chance, I know he does it East Coast more than he does in the West Coast. He does a one-man show with Lenny Bruce. Oh, really? Holy moly. I mean, Ronnie Marmo, his name is M-A-R-M-O. Okay. Oh, and Joe Joe um, Joe Montagna directed it. Okay. Holy moly, is this yeah. good? I mean, this is. I mean, it is definitely worth the trip. So the next time you see it, Lenny Bruce. <clears throat> anyway, so I get a call and they said we're doing this, this spec pilot, and we want you to play the father of the guy, and you run an insurance company, and the kid wants to give up the business and become a professional poker player. And you're out of your mind. You can't believe it. And you want to leave him the business. And this is what he wants to do. And you don't want to really leave it to your daughter because you're sort of like, you know, even though you look, you're hip slick and cool, modern, still you have old world values. You don't leave the business to the daughter. You leave it to the son, you know? Yeah. And so I went to Jersey and um, that's where it takes place in Jersey. And I was there for like two days, did all my stuff and um, see what happens. Nice. And then I just did another movie for a friend of mine, the guy, Joe, Frank Menya who uh, he did this play play film presentation of, uh, it's called A Ghost in the House. It's about Jack Johnson, the fighter. Okay. Frank was a fighter. He, he had a couple, he had about four or five, maybe six professional fights. <clears throat> anyway, so he wrote this thing. So I flew to Pennsylvania uh, just about a month ago, actually. And I did, I was there for like two days. I did, did my scenes. And, uh, and then I came back. So nice. I played... Jack Johnson's manager who tries to arrange to get him to go back and fight uh, what's his name uh, Jess Willard okay you know and um, and uh, that whole story of why they ram- ram- ramrodded this guy right you, you know, stay busy you stay what? busy it's a good thing I'm trying to you know and I, eventually at some point in time I'm going to move into producing beautiful and uh, <clears throat> you know I don't even have to be in the things that I produce right. except you know if it's like a really super duper part then I'll sure. then I'll do it but the other stuff, you know, just, uh, I, I mean, I love what I do. Yeah. You know, there's that scene in, uh, in Patton, you know, uh, where George C. Scott is like overlooking the battlefield. Like it's about, it's about three quarters of the way in the movie. And he goes, he goes, I love it. So God help me. I love it. So, 
Wow. Because I love yeah. it more than life itself. And that's what I feel about the entertainment industry. I cannot help me. I love it. So I love it. He says, I love it. God help me. I love it. So, wow. And I do, I just, I mean, I mean, I just, yeah, I'm the, I'm the happiest I could ever be. I mean, thank God for sobriety because I'm loving being of service to people. Like my dad was, even though like I said, he wasn't an alcoholic, yeah. but you know, he would help people. And I get to, I get to, somebody calls me up to having a tough time. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, you know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I did an episode. Uh, I won't keep you much longer at all. Okay. I know you got to go eat, but I did an episode way back. It was when at first, like the first 30 episodes, something was me and two other guys. And then from like 30 to 50 was me and one other person from 50 on. It's been only been me, but it's episode 49. Um, I did, I didn't have a guest and it was just always bothering me. Well, not really bothering me. I can't say bothering me. But I always wanted to, I mean, can't, can't say I always wanted to. I just had this, this idea and this compulsion to just, I, I literally, I did it into my phone and I was sitting on my bed. I put up a pot of coffee. You actually hear me pouring myself. I drink a whole pot of coffee <laughs> and it's like over two hours long. I had bullet points on like two pages and I literally, I just told my entire life story. Like, the major things, obviously, um, from literally from like when I was born, the hospital, I was born and all the way up to the present moment. And I was like, I don't know, people are going to judge me, whatever. I put out everything good, bad, ugly, fucked up, funny, ridiculous, nonsense, everything. I just everything snot and all. And uh, I got I got people messaging me and texting me and all this stuff like, yo, like that shit should be a screenplay. Thank you for doing that. Like all this. And I, and I helped so just by telling my story and it's just, it's my story. So I'm like, you know, I've told this to people before and, you know, I even say it several times now. I was like, these stories sound legitimately unbelievable, but there's like a dozen people that can vouch for every single thing that I'm saying who were there or knows these people. So, and people are just like, wow, man, like that's unbelievable that you did that, that you had the backbone to do that, to put out some of that stuff that you said and it helped a lot of people. So it did, that just it popped in my head because you said of being of service to people. And it, it was, it was therapeutic for me to get off a lot of things off of my chest. Not that I'd never told those stories before, but to put it out there for literally thousands of people to listen to and it's still there. You know what I mean? So it's, it's whatever. It's like, what are you going to judge me? Come on. Like whatever you say about me is nothing compared to the shit that I've done to myself. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was good. So if you ever want to check it out, if you're on a long drive and you miss my voice, Tony, you listen to episode 49. <laughs> How do I get to it? I'll send you a link. I don't know. You have an iPhone. Okay. You have an yeah, iPhone? Send it to my yes, send some text to it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, just, just go to your you have a, a pre-installed podcast app. It's Apple Podcasts on your phone. All right, send it. I'll yeah. listen to it. Yeah, but if you just type if you click on your podcast app and you just type in the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. My girlfriend will, my girlfriend will direct me how to do it. Because when it's a lot of times when it comes to technical stuff, yeah. I mean, as smart as I might think I am when it comes yeah. to this stuff, yeah. it's like a childproof aspirin bottle. <laughs> nice. I'm like, you know. Yeah. Somebody help me. Yeah, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. And, and plus, when this comes out, um, 
as soon as the episode comes out at noon, whatever, they have to look at my phone for the actual date. Yeah, I'll put it on my 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 social pages or whatever they call. Yeah, it. me too. I'll that, at noon on the date. I'll put everything up, and there'll be individual clickable. Well, you don't have Facebook, do you? Yeah, I have Facebook. You have a personal Facebook page? Yeah, sure. I have two. I have one for for. I know uh, there's the one that's a totally Tony fan page. Yeah, that's that one, and then I have my own. It's it's Tony Dennison. I, I I'm on a motorcycle. With the suit, I got, I got, I got to look for you. Then I'll, I'll send you a friend request on that. I hardly go on it that much, but I, I do right. Instagram more than anything else. Well, the the, the easiest thing with with mine, we follow each other on Instagram. If the link in my bio on Instagram, if you click that, it'll open up a new sheet and it'll be like iTunes everywhere. We where the podcast is, you just click it and it brings you right to the page, and there it is. Click episode two forty four, Tony Dennis. Okay, you got it. Yeah, done deal. But, it's all there. We have each other's number. And and listen, please, anytime you want, if you're doing a new project, if you're doing anything, if you want to just talk yeah. about mafia shit in New York City, we can do an episode just on that all day long, easily. Okay. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. You know, it's another thing, again, going back to my mom. When I was a kid, I remember, I don't know how old I was, but I was pretty, I was still, I was a kid. I was really like a kid. I mean, and I remember that when my when uh, somebody died in the family, and this maid guy came around, and he had this gigantic pinky diamond pinky ring on. Uh-huh. And he was dressed to the I mean, this guy was dressed like just like in the movies. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was around, and and I forget his name. Anyway, so he's there, and he's paying respects to my mother and father, and you know, and my and you know, and it was my it was my. No, it wasn't my uncle. It was before my uncle died. It was somebody else. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was an uncle, but it was an it was an older uncle. And anyway, so you know, and and I'm looking at this guy, and I said to my mother, I said, I said, Ma, that guy's like really like cool, you know, or whatever word I would have used then was yeah. a kid. Whatever. I don't know. If I think I used the word cool, but and my mother goes, Oh, Anthony, you don't want anything to do with the, the, those those people. And I go, right. What are you talking about? And she said, You know, if you want to be like that guy, you got to learn to go to sleep with one eye open and one eye closed. Of course. So that night when I went to bed, I'm laying in bed and I'm like going like, how, how do you fall asleep? <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> and I'm putting like, put like my hand, the pillow over. And so I said, I guess I can't be like that guy. You can't do it. sleep with one eye open and one eye closed. <laughs> that's hilarious. Isn't that funny? Yes, that's awesome. That's great. There I am in bed, like going. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you do this? Something I would do too. Ridiculous. Yeah. Kid stuff. It's great. Dude, thank you so much for your time. This was great. Um, and like I said, we have each other's info. Keep in touch. And anytime you have an open door, man, anytime you ever want to come and just shoot the shit about anything. I, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take you up on that. It There's doesn't a, have to be a topic. My producing things off the ground. Believe me, I'll call you. Absolutely. And and we'll set it up and we'll make it happen with without a doubt. No problem whatsoever. Okay, okay All right. It was a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure was all mine. Start the bomb. <laughs> Be safe, Tony. Be well. <laughs>